in the Jewish mind. Every single Jew looks forward to the Passover with great anticipation and excitement. They plan for it like we plan for major holidays. They get stuff together. They bring in their families and friends, and they gather to celebrate the great day of their history, the Passover. Jesus and his 12 loved the Passover, and they loved its meaning. Jesus and his 12 disciples loved hearing that story of how Pharaoh had imprisoned the whole people of Israel, the whole Hebrew people in Egypt, and wouldn't let them go. And, and God commanded Moses to step forward to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh would not release the people. So the plagues began to come. And finally, God said, I'll bring one plague upon you, but the plague will be the one that you speak, Pharaoh. And Pharaoh speaks of how the firstborn of all of Israel will be killed. And so that night, the Hebrews are instructed to, to, to slay a, an innocent lamb and, and put its blood over and above their doorposts. And by doing so, the spirit of death would pass over those homes. Jesus and his disciples loved that story of how the spirit of death passed over the, the Jewish people and they were set free and out into the Judean wilderness they went. Little made more sense to them. There were few things that made more sense to the disciples than the Passover supper. And so that evening, the disciples gathered there in that meal in the upper room. And because that feast, no matter where you have it, has a certain liturgical progression, no doubt every man there had a part. That's how the Passover in a Jewish home works. Now, the most famous line of the feast, the line that even most Protestant knows, comes early on in the celebration, one of the first few lines. It's a, it's a line that's always assigned to the youngest person there, the most naive child who can actually pronounce the words and, and say these words. It's meant to express the confusion of one who's never seen something like the Passover, who's never seen the confusion of, of people being uh, let out of Egypt. It's meant to, for, for that person that's never seen such a great celebration as what Passover it is. It's simply when that little child says, Father... What makes this night different from all other nights? Now, there's no record, so it can easily be left to conjecture or guess which of the 20 or 30-year-old disciples drew the part that night. We know there were older brothers and younger brothers there. Maybe they pushed the responsibility down, but one of them had to say it, and likely his colleagues smiled, winked, or maybe even chuckled a bit when he uttered the words of a little boy saying, Father... What makes this night different from all other nights? See, the fact of their matter was that it was not different. It all made sense to them. They were in their 20s. They were in their 30s. They'd all been to Passover many times before, and they expected, just like they always had every year, a simple little festival meal. And then Jesus made the night very, very different. How often in their later witness after the resurrection do you think the disciples used the expression, and then Jesus? Do you remember the day we were on the hillside with 5,000 and we were all getting tired and hungry and it was coming to the end and everybody wanted to something to eat and we were trying to shoo the people off? And then Jesus. 
loved them so much that he fed them all himself. Do you remember the day we got out of the boat when we'd gone across the Sea of Galilee? We got into Gedrasene, and that guy with the chains that came running up to us, he'd obviously been in that graveyard many days, and he was screaming crazy things. And then Jesus looked into his eyes and said to him, Demons, come out. Do you remember the time we went to Bethany. We'd gotten word from Mary and Martha that Lazarus was pretty sick. But we just kind of took our time. We just kind of moseyed there. It took us several days. And when Jesus got there, Martha came up and pounded him on the chest and said, Lord, my brother's died. Why didn't you come sooner? And then Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man walked. You know, when he died, we were pretty down. So we just went fishing. It's what we did. And there was a man on the sea walking. He said, son, what are, you, what are you fishing for? Throw your net on the other side. And then Jesus looked at us as we pulled the net so full. Pete was so excited, he jumped in the water and swam to shore. So as they looked back upon this Passover, it was one of the most likely, in, in retrospect, it's probably one of the most potent, life-transforming moments they'd ever known. But in the moment that it was happening, in the moment where they were actually doling out the bread and the juice, all they knew was that this night was very different from all other nights. When they came in, he dropped down on his knees and he began to wash his feet, the lowest, their feet, the lowest job that's in the household, washing all the, the muck and snot and grub of the, of, of the city streets off their feet. They, they had no understanding. They were all confused. And then he breaks from the traditional Passover script. And he starts talking about how matzah, his, his, the unleavened bread, represents his body. And how the wine represents his blood. And how one of them is going to betray them. And just like that, this meal that was typical and like no other, was completely different and made no sense at all to them. How could it? See, their vantage point is different from ours. See, we see all this from behind the cross. After the cross had happened, we see it 2020, but they stand on the other side of the cross. They stand in front of the cross. It hadn't happened yet. They don't know what the outcomes would be. Well, what could Jesus, what, 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 how, how could what Jesus was saying to them right then and there make sense? You know, some things make sense to us depending on where we see them from. The African impala can jump to a height of 10 feet. It can leap 30 feet in one bound. But if you ever go into a zoo, you'll see that they're contained by a fence that's usually about waist high because they're unafraid to jump where they can't see that where they're going to land. They can't see what's next. Bishop Wright of Ohio, 120-some years ago, was in the home of one of the preachers. And Bishop Wright was saying, the millennium's coming. And one of his preachers said, oh, no, Bishop. Oh, no, millennium, the end of the world, is not coming. There are so many more things that we have to find. There are so many things we have to invent. As a matter of fact, Bishop, I believe there will come a day when men will fly. 
And the bishop slapped his hand down on the table and said, Oh, no, sir. Only angels will ever fly. Now, how did Bishop Wright, how could he see that his young sons, Orville and Wilbur, were at home dreaming and scheming the day men would fly? See, we can only see what we see. And from in front of the cross, to the disciples, this supper makes no sense of it all. But in front of the cross was the only place they could stand. See, we, however, stand behind the cross. And from here, the supper makes sense. For Jesus is not merely our teacher. He is our Lord. The supper makes sense because through it, Jesus demonstrates how he is our agent of salvation. When, when he breaks down on his knees and begins to wash his, their feet from the front of the cross, this makes no sense because kings are served. They are not servants. But from behind the cross, this makes sense. For as the king serves, so must his servants serve. And that is why Paul writes of him, Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. It makes perfect sense to us. When Jesus broke that bread, for those disciples that were standing at the front of the cross, that makes no sense. When you talk about your body being broken, I mean, it's men's job when death is coming upon them to, to try to escape it, to try to evade it. And particularly, you'd want to evade death on a cross. But from behind the cross, where we stand, we see Christ in obedience to God voluntarily walking towards humanity's greatest foe, death, so that he might show us that it can be conquered, that it's not the end. And that is why Paul writes of him, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And when he picked up the wine from the front of the cross, it makes no sense at all. How can blood be a good thing? Death is an end. How can the movement go on after the leader is dead? How can a leader lead after his death? But from beyond the cross, from behind the cross, it makes perfect sense to us. We, we know of a stone that's rolled away. We know of grave cloths that, 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 that are laying unused. And we know of a world that is changed by his resurrected presence. And that's why Paul writes of him. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. From out in front of the cross, this would have been hard to see. How could you have seen that? It would have been most difficult that night for this supper to make sense. But from behind the cross, which is where we all stand, the supper makes perfect sense. From this side, we can see that the innocent blood of Christ was spilled that, so that death might pass over us. From this side of the cross, we can see that he dies so that we might be forgiven. From this side of the cross, we can see that the supper makes sense because through it flows God's redemption plan. From this side of the cross, the question, what makes this different from all other nights, is answered everything. For this night, you see, commemorates indeed an event that happened a long time ago and far away. 
but its power and importance is about what you can receive right here and right now. You see, I don't know what your month, your week, your day, or your last hour is, but I do know this, that when you look back on this moment in time, this particular place, this particular group of people that will never gather exactly like this ever again, when you look back at this place, it is possible it is possible for you to look back at that and say, you know, I just went to church that one night and then Jesus changed everything about me. And then Jesus drew me closer to him. And then Jesus claimed me as one of his own. See, this supper is about what's available to you. Forgiveness in your redemption. Atonement being at one with God, which is your restoration. And eternal life, which is in progress already now, which is a renewed life, a life to live for Him. You see, this powerful, potent, completely sensible meal is for you. Let nothing, no one, slow you from coming to our Lord's table. Come, eat, receive.